can uh, do that again today as we review together and walk with these two disciples on their way to the town of Emmaus. We remember how there was, there was this one guy, Cleopas, who we haven't met before, and some other disciple. Uh, let's assume it's his wife, since women often go unnamed in the disciples, and they often went off as couples together. Maybe her name was Mary, since uh, there's so many of the disciples seem to share that name. And as this, this particular resurrection account begins, it's still Sunday. Last week, Easter Sunday, the day of the resurrection. And Mary and Cleopas are headed to some random town named Emmaus. We're not sure why, but probably that's where they're from. They're heading home from Jerusalem after a disappointing Passover week where their friend and teacher Jesus has started out as something of a a local hero and ended up being executed by the state. Suffice it to say, it had not been the best vacation ever. Cleopas and Mary, had, they had hoped for so much more. They planned for an extended stay in Jerusalem since they'd heard that Jesus was going to be the one to fix the government of Israel and all of their problems. He might have even been the Messiah that they'd all been waiting for. People had said this. But then suddenly, after the crucifixion, it was all over. And they were not going home happy, these two. Incidentally, have you ever found yourself in a similar place? On your way home from an interview, or a hospital, or a courthouse, or a big game, and it it had not gone well? You're reflecting on all you've been through, how, how deeply disappointed, disoriented, ambivalent about what to do next. But we had hoped said these two to each other. We had hoped. They weren't just disappointed. They were dejected. Maybe even a little depressed. And they were also in a little bit of danger. Because if, if the authorities in Jerusalem were willing to put Jesus to death in order to send a message, what would they do to his followers like these two? The pressure had been enough to make Judas turn, himself, turn Jesus in. It had been enough to make Peter, the rock, deny Jesus. So Mary and Cleopas, they probably didn't feel any shame in heading out of town. Not after what they'd seen. Besides, who wants to cower like the other disciples behind locked doors, crying all day? Not us, they said. We're going home. So these two disciples, in this story, they're slowly walking the seven long miles back to Emmaus, probably occasionally breaking the silence with a question or a complaint of some kind. I mean, what do you say? This stinks. What are we going to do now? And while Mary and Cleopas are stumbling through their grief among the dust and the rocks of the road, along comes some strange guy that they've never seen before. He seems to be headed in the same direction, and he falls in along beside them along the road, even though they'd probably rather be left alone. What are you two talking about as you walk along? He asks them. What are you talking about? And they reply, maybe with a bit of crankiness, well, 
We're talking about the same thing everyone else is talking about. Aren't you the only, are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who hasn't heard what they did to Jesus? This stranger doesn't go away, so they fill him in on the whole thing. Even the rumors that Jesus has risen from the dead. And the random guy on the road, he listens patiently, and then he fills them in on some things. Oh, how foolish you are, and slow of heart to believe, he says. Now he comes across as a bit cranky. Don't you know that it all had to happen this way? Says this stranger. Then, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, this man explains all about the Messiah. And amazingly, Mary and Cleopas, they they still don't recognize him. Not in the conversation, not in the teaching, not in the scripture references. For some reason, the vision of these disciples, it's, it's blocked somehow. They're blind. Maybe because death has changed Jesus. Or maybe all that grief has now changed them, made it hard for them to see clearly. After the cross, nothing will be the same. Well, when they get home to Emmaus, this stranger, he keeps on walking like he has somewhere to go, work to do. But they say to him, curious now, stay with us. Because it's almost evening. It'll be dark soon. The disciples, they invite him in. This cranky stranger that they just met on the side of the road. They don't recognize him yet, but still they extend hospitality. And yet even then, it's still not until they share food with this stranger. When all of a sudden, over dinner, the man takes their bread... And he blesses it, and he breaks it, and he shares it with them. And then it dawns on them. Maybe something about the way he does it. Or the fact that Jesus had done this very thing so many times throughout his ministry. It was his signature move. Then, finally, they get it. Their eyes are opened. It's Jesus. It's him. Christ is risen. And poof, Jesus is gone. Just like that. Cleopas and Mary, they look at each other, they say, when he was talking with us about the scriptures, it was like our hearts were on fire. And then they realize that everything has changed. Everything. But it's not over. The mission continues. And Jesus is still on the move. That very hour, they pack up again and they walk seven miles back to Jerusalem. This time, they head out on the dangerous road after dark, not worrying or caring about what might await them on the road or in Jerusalem. Nothing else matters to them now because they have seen for themselves that Christ is risen. They go at once to tell others to share this good news to rejoin the movement for hope and for life, they too are now revived, resurrected. Man, I love this story. Jesus rises from the dead and two disciples have to walk 14 miles in a single day before they can tell people about it. Isn't that great? 
I'm thinking those disciples had to be fit, don't you? And Jesus was out there walking with them. Resurrection must be good for the body. Amen? Amen. I often think Christians should be healthy people like these two for this very reason, considering we believe our bodies to be temples of the Holy Spirit. But I, for one, would like to be able to walk 14 miles without making a big deal about it. They don't even complain. Without, they don't even really have to think about it. You think that's something God wants for us too? This may seem like a tangent, but I, I don't think it is. Because for whatever reason, this walking business, it was part of what it took for Cleopas and Mary to experience resurrection for themselves. It seems mundane, but that's what it took for them. For most of us disciples, too, I think it takes a while for us to get there, for our eyes to be opened. It's not always a direct journey, either. Sometimes we have to go and come back from somewhere. Jesus meets us in different ways at different times. Oftentimes, like Cleopas and Mary, we don't recognize Him at first. We tend to be confused. Sometimes it's not even until the very end of our story that we may start to get it. And who knows how much of what we go through along the way is simply a necessary part of the process. Like Jesus Himself says to Mary and Cleopas, it had to happen that way. All the suffering, the confusion, the pain. Maybe these disciples had to walk all the way home before they could recognize Jesus. Maybe they had to spend that much time walking and talking it all out. Maybe, maybe they needed to get home hungry and tired before they came to share a meal with Jesus. Maybe that's just what it took for them. And they didn't even know it. It wasn't until after they recognized Him that Mary and Cleopas they could look back on their story and see it differently. Yes, yes, they said. No wonder we felt that way during Bible study. Now we get it. But look at what they had to go through to get there. What do you think we have to go through in order to experience Christ's resurrection in full? Here's some things I noticed uh, that were part of the process in this story. First, again, I'll, I'll point out these disciples, they were on the move. They were out and about in the world. This is a reminder that Jesus often meets us when we're on the way somewhere else. The first Christians, they were even called the people of the way for, for a reason. They were always going somewhere. And it was while they were on the way, while they were going about their business, heading home after a weekend away, traveling along a well-worn path. That's where Jesus met them. In this story, He didn't catch them in Jerusalem, the holy place of worship, and He didn't meet them in the privacy of their own home exactly, but it was first while they were out and about engaged in everyday conversation that Jesus chose to show up. And I think the conversation piece was significant too. That's another thing to notice here. How Cleopas and Mary, they were talking about everything that had happened to Jesus. They were talking about it. So maybe one thing we can take from this story is that we're supposed to talk about these things too. 
It's part of our process. Jesus told us that wherever two or three are gathered in His name, there He is with us. Not just one person off on his or her own. This was at least a twosome. And when Jesus came upon the disciples in this story, they were doing more than just showing up. They were also having an intentional conversation. A discussion about faith. Not just sitting in silence or reading to themselves. They were talking about all of these things. Going everything that had, over everything that had happened specifically about Jesus. So if we also want our hearts to be warmed within us, if we also want to be on fire the way that may empower us to walk another seven miles without fear, then maybe too, we too should talk about Jesus out loud, maybe with strangers. We can even talk about our faith or our doubts, our joy or our disappointment. It doesn't have to sound good or faithful. Cleopas and Mary, they said to the stranger, we had hoped that Jesus was going to redeem Israel, but apparently it didn't work out. Turns out they were wrong. But if they hadn't been talking about it, willing to express their doubts, they might never have found out that they were wrong. Christ shows up when we talk about it. And here's another thing I noticed in this story, another thing these disciples did that seems to have allowed them eventually to see the risen Christ. Mary and Cleopas invited a stranger into their conversation and then into their home. They extended hospitality. I found this particularly impressive considering how rude the stranger was to them at first. I mean, he called them fools. <laughs> to me, it sounds a bit harsh. This stranger talks to two people who are in shock and grief, saying to them how foolish you are and slow to believe. And yet, this couple invited them to stay at their house and have dinner. Isn't that crazy? Obviously, it worked out. The stranger turned out to be Jesus. <laughs> but really, who does that? Mary and Cleopas, even when they couldn't see Jesus, they were still people of hospitality. So no wonder He chose to appear to them. Hadn't He said that whatever you do to the stranger, you do also to Me? These disciples were being faithful even when they were feeling short of faith. Perhaps we should go and do likewise. One final observation to consider, which is also pretty simple and straightforward, I think. These disciples then shared a meal together with the stranger. They ate together. This was when their eyes were finally opened. So apparently food was also a part of their process, for which I rejoice. It shouldn't be surprising. I mean, Jesus ate with people all the time in the Gospels. He was often criticized for how he ate and where he ate and who he ate with. So no wonder these two finally recognize him after they're all sitting down to dinner together. There's something, something about sharing food, the bread of life, that makes Jesus more present. God prepares a table for us, fills up our cup to overflowing, 
And when we share these things with others, it tends to break down walls. It tends to bind us together in a unique way. We become one as Jesus is one with God. And He shows up. Our eyes are opened. That's one reason I've missed coffee hour so much this year during the pandemic. And uh, those donuts felt like such a blessing last week. (laughs) Praise God for table fellowship. Even if we don't have communion every week during worship, uh, or we don't say the words of institution at coffee hour, this is my body broken for you, still, we have an opportunity, even in our own homes, to experience communion together, to meet Jesus around a table, whether we're eating bagels or cookies or pigs in a blanket. God's Holy Spirit is in all of these things. Jesus is with us at the table, and for some mystical reason, it helps us to see him. So I ask you this morning, whether you're feeling resurrection or not, which of these things could we do, should we do more of, that might help us and others to see Jesus and to be raised up to new life? The message of this story and our faith together is that Jesus Jesus is with us whether we see him or not. That's not the problem. The problem is that sometimes we have a hard time recognizing him, particularly in the guise of the stranger. We have a hard time feeling Christ's resurrected power because we're so stuck in our own feelings of grief and loss. Sometimes it's a process to get back to that seeing. So what can we do to speed the process along? I've already given you many ideas. In a minute, I'm going to ask you to come up with your own, share with the neighbor, since we've got to talk about these things. I'll just summarize one more time for clarity. I noticed in the story, these, these two disciples, they got moving. They talked about Jesus with a stranger. They invited a cranky person into their home. And they shared a meal with him. These are super simple acts of faith that can restore our sense of vision. And the good news is that the risen Christ, He wants us to see Him. Jesus Jesus will go from miles, way out of His way, in order to walk beside us, no matter how we're feeling. Jesus would love to explain everything to us if only we'd be willing to have the conversation He'd even stop and stay with us if we would invite Him in. But will we do it? Will we take the risk? And what other risks might we be willing to take in order to experience some of this resurrection business so that our eyes would be opened, so that our our hearts would be kept from growing cold, so that instead of grief and sadness, we too would, would know joy and hope, and have the energy to walk for miles and miles to share the good news with others. I invite you now to find a neighbor, take a couple minutes to talk about all these things. What can we do? What should we do? Take a couple minutes and I'll call you back with prayer. Thank you.